feels good to be a gangster. It feels good to be a gangster A real gangster-ass nigga plays his cards right A real gangster-ass nigga never runs his fucking mouth Cause real gangster-ass niggas don't start fights And niggas always got a high cap Showing all his boys how we shot him But real gangster-ass niggas don't flex nuts Cause real gangster-ass niggas know they got him And everything's cool in the mind of a gangster Cause gangster-ass niggas think deep Up 365, I yo, 24-7, cause real gangsta-ass niggas don't sleep. And all I gotta say to you, wanna be, gonna be, cocksucking pussy pranksters, is when the fire dies down, what the fuck you gonna do? Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> Welcome to Crane Care Commentaries. My name is Jake Tomastro, and as always, I am joined by my very good friend, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. God, damn. Yes, it does. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Yourself? You feeling like a gangster? Uh, absolutely. We. I just watched Office Space. Well, you know, that's kind of a lie. I didn't just watch it. But yeah, I it um, recently. I like, I watched selected scenes from it just now, but oh yeah, yeah, me too. I've I, I watched a bit of it, piece by yeah. piece. That's okay. <laughs> I've seen it like twelve times in total. Yeah, um, very much enough times. <laughs> so what do we? I what do we talk about last week? We talked about kind of uh, talked about like Mike Judge's career in general. Yeah, we talked we about sort of the. It pre-production what we avoid we avoided getting into a rabbit hole about king of the hill um, <laughs> exactly yeah yeah uh, <laughs> uh what else we talked about casting um some pre-production stuff uh and uh star trek i think to cap it off yeah we did but talk we, about star we, trek we yeah. stopped just before we got into production but so that's when we, we in terms of the timeline, we'll jump back in there, but we've got some other stuff to cover. Yeah, we have some then. unfinished business. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, yeah, um, so um, I think in the last episode, we kind of kind of really didn't go into uh, Stephen Root, who is the the actor who plays Milton, and just yeah. how great he is. <laughs> oh, he's so fucking good. Milton, yeah, exactly. So he was, so he was in King of the Hill, which I did mention. <laughs> Yeah, you um, did. Which is how he got the audition. Um, so did King of the Hill start before this show, This movie came out? Yeah, King of the Hill, I believe, started okay. in, in 1997, was its first okay. season. Right, and, and, and was Beavis and Butthead over at this point? Um, at, by King of the Hill, yes. Okay, yeah. Like, I think... I think it had fully ended when he started King of the Hill. I'm right. not a hundred percent sure, but I'm I'm pretty sure. Anyway, notice the rabbit hole we're falling into here. We were supposed. No, to I just about... want to get my timelines right here. But yeah, yeah. Sorry. Moving on. <laughs> Stephen Root. What about him? He was so good as Milton. <laughs> um. So when he auditioned, basically, um, as we I think we mentioned last week that, uh, David Herman was like the only guy that they had a role for. 
Um, yeah. And that's that was only I think that's partially true. Like we we may have misrepresented the facts there slightly. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I just mean that he was the char- he was selected for Mike, Michael Bolton. I think I think uh, Mike Judge wanted Stephen Root in the film, but he didn't necessarily know. Who he would be? Who he would be? Exactly. So, had the, did they know the character of Milton was going to be in it? Because obviously Milton was the character from uh, the short, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Milton was going to be in it. Um, right. I think. But but they they obviously didn't want Milton to be the main character, as we mentioned. No. Yeah. There is uh, Mike Judge shied away from that because. Which wisely, I don't think Milton could really yeah. carry a carry the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah, Mike Judge himself actually like the first table read was gonna read for Milton, um, right? Because he had voiced him in the short. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His he 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 spawned the Milton character like yeah as yes. we mentioned like almost a decade prior, um, so. But then he decided he kind of just wanted to sit back and watch the casting process, like watch the table. Yeah. So he, he, he got Stephen Root to do it, and Stephen Root kind of added – he said – this is not an exact Wait, so he just, he just wanted Stephen Root to to read the, the – to do the – play the role for the casting reading. Like he didn't, he didn't actually uh, – he, he wasn't auditioning for the role. No, yeah, they were just at like a, they were just doing like a, a reading. I'm not sure how yeah. important or like what degree of reading it was if it was casting, but like David Herman was there, Stephen Root was there, Mike Judge was there, right? Um, yeah, and they were kind of just going through the script, um, right? And initially, Mike Judge was supposed to be Milton, and then they got Stephen Root, and and he added some lisp, he added some strangeness, I believe he said, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, they loved it, obviously because it's become like the most iconic role that Stephen Root has ever done on screen, I believe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like the also just um how I don't know how he acts with those glasses on. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in, in when we talk about the production. He he talks yeah. about that a bit, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you always see Like that's that like just that. adds an extra layer of uh <laughs> His, uh, how impressive his acting is his acting chops because yeah. I assume he can't see anything how could you because <laughs> like yeah to get to get the real good effect you have to have real glasses obviously mm-hmm. to get the good bug eye effect exactly yeah as far as I understand I don't know maybe, maybe I mean I don't like, know if they, they I don't know if they actually make glasses that thick like they're fake well, they, I, they, they must there must be people out there with prescriptions yeah, prescriptions that are like that intense. Like, I don't know anybody with a prescription like that. But <laughs> oh, you're right. It could it could be that. Yeah, I I assume they must have custom made it for the film, right? I might have to take another look. Yeah, because they are like what? They're like a, a half inch thick or something. Yeah, like did they just like cut magnifying glasses out and put them in the, like the fucking frames? Wait, okay, let's let's look up. What's the thickest possible lens you can have? Like. <laughs> Yeah, you're doing that? Yeah, I'm Googling yeah. thickest possible. What's the highest eyeglass prescription you can have? Negative 20. Lenses, spe- you have to have them specifically made. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Here's a picture. Okay. I'll send that picture to you. 
and then I guess I'll put it on Instagram. Okay. So people listening now aren't out of the loop. Yeah, you'll have to check our Instagram, which will be updated by the time this... Yeah, that's pretty thick. (laughs) Yeah, like that's... You have to have them specially made. Yeah. That's... Jeez. That's about what he had, though, but again, specially made, so I wonder where they got them. Maybe... Yeah, well, I'm honestly thinking, like, they they must have, like, taken the lenses out of magnifying glasses (laughs) and just put those in the frames. It kind of looks like it, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, because, like, I assume, like, they did it specifically to make his eyes look bigger, right? So they probably took something that, like, wasn't necessarily an act, because I imagine it would have been way more expensive for them to actually get real eyeglasses like that. Yeah, those are expensive, man. Yeah, I imagine. I imagine they're intensely expensive. Like. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's about what we missed last time for Stephen Root. But rest assured, he uh, he's gonna come up a lot again. More. Well, maybe not yeah. a lot more, but enough. Like, At least once. Once or twice more, yeah, for sure. Okay. So, uh, what should we, what should we uh, get to next uh, now that we've righted the wrong there? Now that we've righted the wrong. Um, yeah. Well, I guess it's we can kind of, we're testing out this uh, uh, new-ish segment. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of got its training wheels on right now. So. Exactly. So. You know, uh, if, if you have, uh, you know, thoughts, you know, comments, you know. Let us yes, know. Yes, yes. Let, let us know what you think. On our social I, I don't media know how... or on our email. I don't know. Yeah, what exactly. So um, I, I, I don't actually know about the, the title so far. Right now we're going with how did they shoot it? But if you have yes. a better idea, let us know. Please. Yes. Drop us a line. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before I pose Keaton the question of how did they shoot it, uh, yes. I just need to go over a little bit of uh, background. The director of photography was a man named Tim Schurstedt. I believe that's how you pronounce it. I, S-U-H-R-S-T-E-D-T. Looks German or something like that. Sounds like, yeah, Austrian. I'm going to guess it's Schurstedt. But Schurstedt. Um, so interestingly enough, uh, or not surprisingly at all, this this man has worked with Mike Judge before and yes. after. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's often a relationship there, it seems. Yeah, between uh, directors of photography and directors. Yeah. It's a highly communicate communicative bond. Yeah, exactly. Not? Like I figure once you find some guy you like working with, you probably you don't want to have to work with anybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but exactly. yeah, uh, so he's got um a a pretty 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 uh respectable filmography there. He worked on uh Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as well. Oh, that's already respectable. <laughs> and then he's uh, he's worked on uh, some other Mike Judge things, um, including Idiocracy. Oh yeah, uh, did we talk about that at all last film? I don't know. I don't if know we if did. we talked about Idiocracy, but he he also uh, he worked on a bunch of episodes of Silicon Valley as well. Oh yeah, a couple other things. Yeah, um, and he was the director of photography also for Little Miss Sunshine. Oh really? That's a great film. Yeah. Um, Not a Mike Judge film, but no, 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 no. Just uh, um, also on his filmography. Also what? Also on his filmography. Oh, sorry. I'm just trying to find. There was a quote. I forget exactly what it was, but it was like basically Mike Judge just being like, 
I had no idea what I was doing. So it was great to have <laughs> Tim there. Like, you know, and I just, yeah, went exactly. In. I went in with the, with no pretension that I had any idea how to direct a film. <laughs> yeah. So, although like, you know, it, I'm impressed at how he was able to figure out how to animate something just like on his own. Yeah. I think we talked a lot last episode yeah. sort of about his, uh, his, ability to just kind of do stuff like Take, yeah him. so like i'm sure he would have figured it out on his own but i'm sure it was fantastic to have tim there as well yeah exactly just and and i think in terms of like you know where do you want to put the camera and stuff like exactly yeah that's that's definitely something like especially because this is his first yeah his first live action yeah piece, right? i think we were talking about a director i don't remember exactly we've talked about a number of them who was like their first shoot might even be this film Honestly, <laughs> it's such a blur now. All these directors we talked about who are like, I don't know what I was doing. I relied on somebody else to. Put yeah, the well, I think that's a common. That's a common uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, for like, I mean, for early directors, it totally makes sense. Um, yeah, like if if it's your first. Although I don't know, I don't know how one. Like obviously, <laughs> well, we've covered it a lot, which is strange. But like, I don't know how one becomes a director. Like having not been in film done. before. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in this case, it makes sense. Yeah, well, it is. There's a lot of these like outside scenarios, like Mike Judge. Yeah. Who and then yeah. I guess who else? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another a specific example. Because yeah, I'm kind because. Of blanking. Well, I feel like you know you usually do your first film, and it's usually like not. A studio film like this yeah well my first thought was like john carpenter didn't know what well he was no doing but he was he, he done exactly he was on and yeah. done a bunch of other independent films yeah exactly but those were independent films so it does you could kind of argue that by the time he had like well so i'm saying he got a lot of experience doing like these low budget independent movies before right. he like actually had to direct something with anybody anybody else's money oh yeah oh you know what it was i was eh, never mind i was thinking about something entirely different what are you talking um, about? A director who was also a murderer who didn't have any idea what he was doing. It doesn't oh, matter. It's and a different... murdering. No, he well, yes, he he didn't know what he was doing in directing or murdering. But regardless, that's a di- whole different conversation. Did we? Did this even come up? No, it's not. It has nothing to do. I thought it was something we had talked about, but it was. Anyway, it, we're getting very off topic. Yeah. What? Are, where were we? We were anyway, talking about how they. We shot were talking it. about how they <laughs> shot the movie. But anyway, so. Director Toby Tim Shurstad, you know, seems like a very, a very competent individual. Yes, um, and he shot the film shot very well, actually. Film is shot very well, and uh, also shout out to Paul Ferrazzi, who is the first assistant camera, a position that does not get enough recognition. <laughs> good for you, yeah. What was his name? One more time. Paul Ferrazzi. Paul Ferrazzi, good fucking work, dude. So for those those of you who aren't familiar, the first assistant camera is the guy who focuses the camera. He makes sure everything is sharp. God, that's such got to be such a stressful job, man. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're as bad, like as bad as I am at keeping things in focus. Like, yeah. Like when we were shooting our film, I ruined so many shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A- at least, yeah, we we had. Uh, yeah, at least we weren't uh, spending any of else's exactly, money. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like we didn't have like. A million dollars going down the drain every 20 minutes. Anyway. Exactly. So anyway, so question is, how did they shoot it? Keaton, 
Do you think it was film? Do you think it was digital? Like, uh, so think there was anything fancy about the way they, anything strange about the way they shot it? So here's, here's, here's my thinking on this subject. Yes. First of all, um, based on what we talked about last time on this episode, kind of about like when they kind of switched over, it seems likely yes. to me that this would be, this would be a film. Um, but my my further thoughts on the matter in terms of like anything strange or like not strange but significant or specific i'm going to go yeah. with no because of how low budget the film was mm-hmm. i think that they just it was just you know run in the mill get your shots nothing fancy that's my yes that's my uh, th- that's what i'm saying film that's your thought and nothing fancy yes you are correct this but, is yeah. about as like you know vanilla you know kind of <laughs> way of shooting a film you could possibly do um Which is perfect so for the film like yeah even exactly if it, even if it wasn't a creative choice it should have been a creative choice <laughs> exactly so this was this was shot on 35 millimeter uh which is the standard you know film for motion picture now i'm gonna grab my tape measure hold on what <laughs> okay go on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thirty-five millimeter is yeah. <laughs> the standard kind. Yeah. It was non-anamorphic, uh, so it's a one point eight five aspect ratio. So th- this is this is a flat, uh, normal aspect ratio. Well, it's a it's a widescreen aspect ratio, but it's like it's a normal widescreen aspect ratio. It's one point eight five, which is pretty close to a modern TV, which is sixteen by nine. Right. Um. So. But yeah, and it was not super thirty-five, just regular thirty-five. So about as uh, a, and I as... found as normal as you could imagine. I found a picture, a very good picture of Mike Judge filming the movie. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Add something to you in the chat. Standing uh, next to his Panavision Panaflex. Uh, well, it's not his. I assume he rented it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, interesting that. Uh, I noticed that he's using a zoom lens on that, uh, presumably so that he only had to buy one lens and not, uh, or rent one lens and not have to pay for several different ones. Uh, Mike Judge just looks like one of his characters. He looks like he, he doesn't really know. He's pointing at something, <laughs> but it's an it's an open hand point, so it's not very precise. Yeah, it's kind of just like a gesture <laughs> more than a point. Yeah. <laughs> and he, does, he looks like he's going like, yeah, over there there's another person in the shot who i can only assume is tim yeah uh but i cannot i cannot uh verify that for sure (laughs) it was hilarious in like all the articles i read about people who did interviews with like mike judge like while he was on set like they all described him as having like extremely nervous manic anxious energy like he was right. always like <laughs> like grabbing his forehead like <laughs> but like not in like an unfriendly way like people weren't like afraid to approach him like he wasn't angry yeah. you know but, I mean like... it's it's kind of funny though cuz a lot of his characters are like that as well exactly. which is funny <laughs> I think he's just he's just a very autobiographical artist I think <laughs> Yeah um so yeah there was one more thing that I wanted to touch on yeah. But the cinematography of this film. Uh-huh. And that is a little sub-segment that I will call the cinematography of Bill Lumberg. <laughs> what does that mean? 
Sorry. Uh, so I just noticed when I was watching the film that they always shot Bill Lumberg in a very specific way. Like kind of from like the bottom up, like looking up at him. Well, so they would always they they would they would move the camera like fairly close to him so that he was literally filling up like the whole frame. Yeah. And then they they would use like a moderately wide like angle lens, which means like so what's that what that's gonna do is it's gonna it's gonna compress the background right. visually so that the thing in the foreground looks really big. Right. AKA yeah. Bill Lumberg. <laughs> and also somewhat distorted. That's kind of and perfect. It's it's usually unflattering. It, it's described as sort of an unflattering lens. A lot of actors don't like being shot with a wide-angle lens because it makes you look weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I did Bill. notice that they changed they changed it up once in the movie. Interesting. Where? Oh, where? And and this 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 was when Peter was taking a, taking apart his desk, <laughs> and it and, falls and over. just like. And it falls over, and then Bill Lumberg walks by and, like, you know, asks Peter something, and then he just ignores him. And, and for that shot of Bill Lumberg, they pull the camera a little bit back and make him look a little smaller. It's perfect. Yeah, no, it's great cinematography because, yeah. you know, it's yeah. the one moment where he's, like, you know, he's he's smaller. Yeah, well, because Peter doesn't give a shit about it. He's exactly. In, in Peter's mind, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not as large. He's not taking up as much of the background as, you know is less constricted by his presence. Yeah. And then I noticed also immediately after that scene, Bill it, it's another scene with Bill Lumberg. Yeah. In which he walks over to uh you know he walks over to Milton's desk. Oh yeah, right. Because he he goes to exert and power he, over Milton. It, after. And then they return to this this shot. Yeah, that's and that's like the, that's the first stapler scene, isn't it? It, I, is that the scene where he takes the stapler? I think that, well, I can't remember. Yeah, that's the one where he takes it back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna need the stapler. Yeah. I'm gonna just, let me just take this. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I have to do with. Uh, there's not much about how they shot this movie. It's not particularly interesting. As you said, extremely but, uh, vanilla. As vanilla. It's as about it as vanilla as it gets. I mean, again, it makes sense. Cause. I mean, I feel like with Indi- like a, it makes sense because um, it just works. Like, you're if it's it's a vanilla film, they're not. Like, yeah, it's not like an artistic film. They don't need uh, anything fancy. I mean, not in that sense, at least. Yeah, sorry, in, not yeah. In, not visually. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, that's that might be an overstatement. Like, you could argue yeah. that there are some visual. There's a lot of visual. Uh, yeah. Well, for example, what I was just talking about, Bill Lumberg. Exactly, exactly. I meant more in like uh, uh, set design, but anyway, I'm going. Yeah, off exactly. The rails here, it, so it's a very uh, yes. <laughs> you know, it's it's it has a sense of realism to it. You know, yeah. What I mean? yeah. It's not like a fantastical in any sense. No, but it is a bit askew, like you know. Yeah. At, at moments. Yeah. Definitely. Like, and I think that is intentional, like you say, with the Bill oh, cinematography. Yes. Hi, Milton. What's happening? I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to have to ask you to go ahead and move your desk again. It, so no. if you could go ahead and get it as far back against that wall as possible, that would be great. No. No, because I was, that I was way we'll have some room for no some of these to move boxes and things we need to put in here. No room. And, uh, oh, 
Oh, there it is. What? It, Here, let me just go ahead and get that from you. Yeah. Great. So, if you could just get to that as soon as possible, that would be terrific. Okay? Thanks a bunch, Milton. Bye. Okay. I set the building on fire. I wrote out, I was like writing out some stuff and for like just this bit. Um, and then I realized that like I was like, so many things took me back to this one Entertainment Weekly article that yeah. I already used. So I was like, let's just like go through that article for the production bit because it's actually really good. So. All right, I have it open here it, for me. Fuck yeah. We have to give it its due credit. It's written by Stacy Wilson Hunt. January 11th, 2019 for the 10 year anniversary. 20 year anniversary. Oh wow, yeah. We didn't uh, we didn't even catch that. <laughs> well, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we weren't a podcast then. <laughs> no, exactly, but in, re- in normal life I didn't catch it either. Yeah. So, if you scroll down to the creating space heading it's just after the picture of Jennifer Aniston flipping off. Yeah, I, I see it. That's where we are, basically. So that's actually a great place to start with like this quote from... Uh, yes, because this actually is basically... Exactly what we were just talking exactly about. Exactly <laughs> what I just talked about, uh, which is... So do you want to read that quote? Uh, this is from Tim Shurstead. He said, Mike had been adamant that the Inatech office production design look oppressive. We actually screen tested different gray cubicles. He also wanted extra tall cubicles so that Lumberg could lean over Peter's desk. That was an expensive and tall order. I'm sorry, that was an expensive special order. That's funny. (laughs) That is so fucking funny. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize the actual like. So that's that that might have uh, contributed to the fact that it looked kind of odd and distorted because the cubicle was extra tall. So that's kind of what I was saying about like set design. Like, it seems yeah. like the kind of thing that actually, now that you think about it, because of Mike Judge's like cartoon persuasion, like, yeah, that he would pay very special attention to yeah. stuff like that. But also wouldn't have a lot of experience with it. Yeah, exactly. So like, um, would be like, can we get these like a foot taller? It's like, uh, they don't really make those. Yeah. <laughs> but th- here we go this is again more what we were talking about later from Stephen Root um, talking about Milton's glasses <laughs> um, he said Milton's glasses were so thick I had to wear contacts in order to see I had zero depth perception I had to practice reaching for the stapler thankfully we'd painted it red <laughs> Swingline didn't make red ones back then <laughs> Wait, okay, so that was... There's a lot to unpack there. They deliberately had to make the, it red. Yeah. Was, so what, that that wasn't even necessarily because of the story. That was just because you need to be able to see it. Yeah, that like that's amazing. There's so much to unpack there. So first of all, it was so thick that he had to wear contact. Like, does that mean... So okay, does that mean he well, put uh, contacts under the glasses to, like, cancel yeah, it out? Yeah, yeah, I assume that's exactly what he did, yeah. That's unreal. That's funny. That that's really funny. No, probably not. Well, I mean, it's probably better for him to be wearing the contacts than not. I suppose that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Evens it out. I'm sure he took them off in between takes. I'd probably oh, have yeah, to. yeah, you'd have to, yeah. 
<laughs> Zero depth yeah. perception. <laughs> but the thing about the stapler is amazing. And that's I really funny, yeah. Most people, that's like one of the fun facts that most people who are like familiar with this movie know that one, but like they didn't have red. Yeah, <laughs> so they had to make a custom red swing line stapler. Yeah, yeah, which we will talk another, about. A bit another more interesting later. custom thing in addition to those cubicles. So yeah, they they um they also tried to use so swing line was apparently not even their first choice. Oh, that's unreal. Fools these other brands that Yeah, so the, apparently they tried two other brands of stapler, but um they couldn't get clearance to use the brand in the film. Two brands I've never heard of. Yeah, it's true. I've only ever heard of swing line. Exactly. So uh Like I I feel like every like I I I associate the idea of a stapler with being a swing line. And Me I don't too. know if that's because of this movie or if that's because all the staples I've ever used are swing lines. Perhaps both things are true. And perhaps every stapler... <laughs> or maybe I only ever... noticed the ones that were swing lines because I only noticed the brand on the stapler because of this movie. <laughs> also a possibility. Also a possibility <laughs> is perhaps that the only reason every stapler you've used is a swing line is because of the effect that this film has had on the... You, you think know? they sold more staplers? Swing lines sold more staplers? <laughs> yeah, this, this, film, this film affected the stapler zeitgeist. Yeah, I can't remember what kind of stapler they use in my office, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can't remember, it's, it might not Sorry? be. It's probably not a swing line if you don't remember. Yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> it's probably a Boston or, or Bostitch or something. Yeah. Okay, so this is a great... This is the, for the next one from David Herman. Yeah. Is, uh, there's actually a whole article on this in the outline as well. Um, but this is such a fantastic detail. Um, so from this is a quote from David Herman, who played uh, uh, Michael, Michael Bolton. Bolton. Um, the script originally said that the real Michael Bolton was a quote-unquote no-singing asshole. We couldn't say that because it implied that he didn't sin- sing his own music. So I suggested quote-unquote no-talent ass clown. Um, Wait, so are they, are they saying they couldn't say that because it would be slanderous to Michael Bolton? Yeah, someone, I think, I think, because he was, um, uh, AJ Nadu also said that, that, so it seems like it was actually a thing. <laughs> okay, that's funny, would, yeah. That they could. I guess because saying that, you know, he has no talent is an opinion. Yeah. But saying he doesn't sing is a factual is a fact statement. Yeah. So it could be, uh, it could be construed defamatory. As... Exactly. So exactly. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. So it's legally better to call him a no talent ass clown than a no singing asshole. Um, okay, but also but... ass clown. That's an interesting turn of phrase. And it seems to be he coined that <laughs> phrase. <laughs> Uh, because it's now in the dictionary, it seems. Really? Let's see. The original line was no... This is from David Herman as well. The original line was no singing asshole, and we had to change that line on the set a moment before action because it implied that he didn't do his own singing, that he was Millie Vanilli, and so it became no talent (laughs) ass clown. He's not my cup of tea, but he's got plenty of talent. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it was just something he said like off the cuff. Yeah. Because he had to come up with it on the spot. That's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I also just like think it's a really weird like joke. Uh, the whole Michael Bolton joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's such a it's such a strange concept to come up with. Yeah, there's just a guy also named Michael Bolton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's why I it's love so Mike funny. Judge's, that's why I love Mike Judge's comedy, though. It's it's always like, just like, just so specific. Yeah, you know? he comes up with like, characters and and just details that are like believable, but like really specific and just fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. AJ Nadu used the the phrase "ass clown" in another movie later on in Bad Santa. Okay. So it perpetuated it. So it seems that that if you're ever curious about the etymology of ass clown, it originates from David Herman in Office Space. There was a quote from Ron Livingston somewhere here that was really uh, was really it about Lumberg? So it was, or was it like about uh, it was it like I didn't know how to make Gary, I didn't know what to make of Gary at first, where he said he couldn't tell if 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 Gary was in character. Oh when yeah, he that's was great. Phil Lumberg. That is great. <laughs> yeah, do you want to read that one? Yeah, he says, I didn't know what to make of Gary at first. Uh, when we first met, he was still in character. Then at lunch, I couldn't tell if he was still in character. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, Mike Judge uh, also was talking about, um, you know, apparently it was very hard to make uh, Gary laugh. <laughs> Which makes sense. And... and he he said that uh, he did it. He, he said um, we shot half the movie, and the first time we ever saw Gary laugh, it was the Lumberg sex scene dream. At the last minute, I said he wanted. I said I want him to have his coffee cup. Which is just oh, that's good. Such a yeah. fucking good detail. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, and that that got that gets me too. So I guess. yeah, it's hilarious. Did we talk about? La- I think we might have mentioned last time that like they could they refused to have. I don't know who refused, but they were like, we can't have Jennifer Aniston in that in that scene. Oh no, I I, I don't think we mentioned that, but okay, obviously, so, well, but she wasn't in it. Well, originally, yeah, yeah her face is not in it. Um. And I can only assume that that's not her foot. And yeah, it, but, I don't know. Is it a foot model? <laughs> yeah, probably. Originally, um, it she it was written that she had actually slept with that Lumberg. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But they. Made, I think it's it's better that it wasn't even the right Lumberg. Yeah, I think that it is <laughs> it is better ultimately for that reason only. But yeah. It, um. But yeah, that, they made him change it. Uh, I think. Not specifically for, but one of the main reasons was like, they, we can't have Jennifer Aniston in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's not, she's not going to let her, like her people are not going to let her be in that scene. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know, it would have been fucking funny. I'm sure she would have thought it was funny. Well, yeah, know, probably. Sure, but, but maybe. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, the Ron Livingston quote I was looking for earlier, I can't find it still, but he said like that when they when he was when they first started shooting they thought he was on drugs or something 
<laughs> like, because he was so serious? Yeah, because he was just, like, so, like, serious and, like... Well, here's the... I'd originally had Joanna the... having actually slept with Gary's character. The studio said, no, please make it different, Lumberg. Jennifer can't be in that sex dream sequence. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, it's... Even if it wasn't the same Lumberg, it's all in Peter's head, right? And Peter yeah. thinks that it was her. It was the same Lumberg. So what's the difference? So in his head, wouldn't she be there? Yeah, exactly. What? I don't know. They didn't understand. They they just didn't want. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I can see their thinking on that. Yeah, it's 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 understandable. The logic is traceable if you're if you're a studio executive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh yeah, Livingston says here, um, the hypnosis, this is Ron Livingston, the hypnosis scene, then when Peter doesn't care about anything, we ended up shooting first. I think the studio probably saw those dailies and got worried. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is an odd scene to, uh, to be the first, like, you know, shot that they see from this film. And the first introduction for the studio, just being like, uh oh. (laughs) Um, and Mike Judge says about it, early into the filming, they said, Ron needs to smile more. I'm like, why would he smile? He becomes happy later. We haven't shot that stuff yet. And then Livingston says, yeah. there was also concern that I was on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> which I wasn't. I probably have no idea how close I got to getting fired. Which is like, then no one else mentions that detail again. Yeah. So that's interesting. Really... Yeah. I think that's interesting um like specifically what Mike Judge says about, you know, we haven't shot that stuff yet. Yeah. It's it's interesting that like like the order that you shoot it in has a lot of like impact on what the studio thinks that you're doing. Yeah. Apparently, at least in his case. Yeah. Which is like Come on. That's so stupid. No, I uh, well, yeah, I know, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you're trying to get away with something, like in your movie, you know, shoot the stuff that you think the studio is gonna like first. I'm sure. I bet that's a thing. You know. Yeah, like, and then right smart. at the end, they probably shoot the controversial shit. Yeah. Well, I remember when we were talking about. Um, it's not exactly the same, but like when we we're talking about like Men in Black, how like they had yeah. to like ask permission, they had to like show basically the movie they had to get permission to do the animated intro and outro scenes because right because it was like super expensive extra ten million extra <laughs> yeah. dollars yeah so they had to like be like look how good our movie is it's yeah good. exactly it's so worth not exactly it the same but yeah same idea like yeah proving to yeah. the studio yeah we also got uh, in this article there's a very good shot of uh of Bill Lumberg and you can see that the cubicle goes up to his shoulder. Yes. Which, you know, normally cubicles are not that high now that no, I think about it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've, I've rarely actually seen a cubicle in person, but no, they don't. They don't, do they? Yeah, no, um, they don't. <laughs> I guess I should I should definitely, like, link this article in our... Uh, yeah, you should. It, yeah, definitely. We'll um, put it on our website as well or something. Yeah. www. Sure. What is it? <laughs> Wait, what is it? It's wordpress.com, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm yeah. sorry, I forgot if the WordPress was before or after. Right. right. I don't know. Essentially, we're just throwing at you a bunch of cool anecdotes about the, yeah, the film. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the production. I think that's kind yeah. of the best part about the production bit, is just hearing these, like, 
Yeah. Also, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the setting. Oh yeah. Okay. Did did you did you catch where this was filmed? Because I, I I I did, but um. Um, I did read about it. I remember thinking it looked like it was Texas. Right. Okay. Because but... I was just thinking like uh. Based on, like, the time and the place, I thought it was, like, you know, somewhere... Because um, it was obviously warm-looking. So I I, yeah. I had assumed because it was, like... Um, I, I thought it was shot in the Bay Area or something like that, like Palo Alto or some shit. Yeah, like, or California. Texas or California. Like yeah, something like that. but no, it, it was it was shot in Austin. I, I in Austin. I must have read that. Because, but I do, remember, yeah. I do remember thinking... But, I mean, though, it, it could be anywhere is the point. That yeah, because there was a quote from was it Judge saying about he wanted it to be to seem like it could be anywhere because originally yeah they wanted we may have mentioned this last episode briefly but um they wanted it to be set like on Wall Street um the studio, oh yeah no no because, that doesn't quite make sense to me you know because that big there yeah no it doesn't make sense at all for this movie because um, it it like his like his office doesn't seem like it's it seems like it's like a regional like office, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's not like the head office. Like I don't know if it is, but like no, well, it, it seems like it's like it's it's kind of like it would have to be somewhere that like is not downtown, you know what I mean? Yeah. The point is, Ron is supposed to be like an everyman, not like one guy who, like working in a specific area. You know, it's supposed to be exactly. Like, yeah. He could be anywhere. Exactly. Um, and I think Mike Judge was saying he was playing off of these like there are all these like you know office buildings with like um connected like restaurant chains you know like with like apple yeah. and whatever what have you i don't really know the, all the american ones but <laughs> um Trotsky's isn't real right <laughs> yeah i don't think it is real i mean maybe maybe it's real now <laughs> <laughs> like there might be a place called Chotsky's, but I'm sure it's not like what they show in the movie. Nope. Yeah, I don't. I I don't think it exists. No. I mean, it'd be terribly named too, because that's like. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, the point is, like Mike Judge was saying, is like it's supposed to be anywhere. It's like it's supposed to be one of mm-hmm. these office blocks that exist. Yeah. So do we remember from the first part where where Mike Judge was when he was uh? When he was uh, working for the company that uh, that he got the idea for Milton from. Oh, no. That was at one of the startups in California. Oh, okay. Right, right. Cause so that might that... have been in the Bay Area or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because he jumped a lot. He was between um, uh, San Diego and Dallas a lot. Okay, yeah. Is what I gather. Just because basically okay. everything from his his uh, his biography either takes place in in one of those two places, right? Seems. All right. So I think that pretty much covers production, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what's our what's our next segment? Well, you know, I think it's probably time that we addressed some things. Like um, what kind of things? Some things that are like. Uh, um, anti, uh, antithetical to, anti, anti false? The (laughs) logical negation of falsehood? That's what I was looking for, the logical negation of falsehood. (laughs) So, what would you call the logical negation of falsehood? 
Welcome to the truth. This is the segment where we get to the bottom of the mysteries of films. Yes. This we, is, uh, uh, we find out what is true and what is not true. And what might be true. This is this is the segment Maybe. where we, we peel back the layers of the facade that yes. you see what they show you and we give you the actual real god's honest citrus fruit beneath the peel. The juicy juicy truth. It's like a lasagna, you know? <laughs> you have you got some cheese on top. <laughs> you yeah. got layers underneath and you, you just layers. <laughs> I mean you don't eat a lasagna layer by layer. No, you eat it all. That's kind of weird. That would be really weird but if, if you like picked it apart. If you did, you might get to the bottom of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and often, you know, when you eat a lasagna, it comes apart on you. You can't. You can't eat like a perfect like cross section. It all gets messy. In the it dish. gets messy. Exactly. <laughs> Just like the truth. Just like the truth. <laughs> okay. So what do we have? What do we have this week? For the truth. So it, there's, we've got a bunch of of little things I want to talk about because I think there's okay. a lot to cover, and I think the most pressing thing is like something that we have to address that's written in the Entertainment Weekly article. Right. It's a quote from who exactly? I'm trying to find it. What was his name? Panich. Panich. Yeah, Panich. Uh. He says there was a lot of discussion about TPS reports looking real, even though TPS reports weren't real. Now, well, I think we need to peel back a layer here. <laughs> it's time to lift up the first layer of the lasagna here. Get the cheese out. <laughs> Careful, it's hot. It's hot. Okay. Perhaps you can shed some light on this because I think actually TPS reports. First of all, let's 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 peel the bandit off right away. They're real. It's a real yes. thing. Yes. Yes. I, I TPS reports are in fact real, despite what Panich. What's Panich's first name? I'm not sure. I think he might be the. Le- okay, uh, I'll I'll find it super quick. Uh, he's not in the cast and crew list. Who is Maybe he it's... then? We gotta know who he is. Panich. Stanford Panich, executive vice president at Fox. Ah, there you go. Okay, so he didn't work. He didn't work directly on the film. It sounds like he just visited the right the film, so he wouldn't know. Yeah, and yeah, he he's a vice. He's he's not even in the right department to know what a TPS report is. Yes. So, what department is a TPS report uh, associated with? Well. That question can be answered by obviously what department does uh, Peter work in, the software department, and what department does our good friend Jake Del Mastro work in? Well, yeah, I I work in software, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I I I think uh, the TPS report. Although I've never actually had to do a TPS report for actual professional purposes no well i've got a te- i've got the definition here yeah so it's specifically used by qa right quality assurance yes yeah so so that's not specifically what i do right i guess but not I, you actually yeah, you uh, do the 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 work that gets quality assured 
Yeah, more or less, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know how business works. I, I do remember at school having to do a TPS report. Okay. Well, let us explain what TPS stands for. Um, it's yeah. also it's hilarious because it is actually some of the driest, most boring shit I've ever tried yeah, to understand. Yeah, that's the whole purpose. <laughs> which is hilarious. Like, I'm not exactly sure how... Like, it must have been something Mike Judge came across in his... Yeah, presumably he had to do one and really did enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so it stands for Test Procedure Specification, which is a very broad term. Uh, that um, although it has it has an official official standard IEEE eight two nine. Yes. Will you first of all explain what the hell that means, and then second of all read what it is? Okay. So the I the IEEE is the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers, which is sort of a industry association that uh, represents you know engineers and. Uh, software people, right. I guess. Um, so they've got a standardized they, definition. Yeah, they come up with a bunch of standards to say, like, part of what they do is they come up with a bunch of standards to say, like, you know, industry-wide standards saying, like, this is what this is supposed to do or whatever. Right. right. Makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise, it might be a so, fucking mare. I mean, I'm sure it's already kind of like a nightmare to keep shit like uniform. In, in yeah, like, the software <laughs> it, it can world. be. Um, th- you know, it's like it's like <laughs> it's kind of like the pirate codes. You know, they're more <laughs> like guidelines. <laughs> That's exactly kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> 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 they're only guidelines. <laughs> That's great. Uh, <laughs> so oh. anyway. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure Bill Lumberg would not appreciate that. No, no, not at all. But anyway, what the what what the IEEE what the IEEE eight two nine defines is that the test procedures are developed from both the test design and the test case specification. The document s- describes how the tester will physically run the test, physically set up required, and then procedure that needs to be followed. The standard defines 10 procedure steps that may be applied when running a test. <laughs> so basically, yeah. So um, specifically, like, it was just supposed to embody, like, mindless paperwork in the it's, movie. It's depth of dryness like yeah. is unbelievable because it's like tps is an umbrella term which also you know uh, some other things that are important like documents required for your tps report you need your mtp you need your ltp you need your ltd you need your ltc you need your lt ltl your ar your litsr your ltr your mtr and so on and so forth. These are all necessary documents for your TPS report. Um, so your MTP is a master test plan. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually know that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you've got your master test plan, your level test plan, your level test design, your level test case, your level test procedure. And so if yeah. I could snore while I was talking, I would. Because that is <laughs> exactly... <laughs> so that's your TPS report. So 
that I thought we just needed to establish that because there was some misinformation uh, being spread by the, uh, albeit excellent by, article. By Sanford, what's his name? Uh, Pit, Pit, Pitich? Panich. Sanford Panich. Vice a president. A liar. <laughs> Vice president of Fox. Liar. Uh, or he, he just doesn't know. He's welcome, <laughs> uh, He's invited on the podcast to come defend himself against Defend himself for, for lying to us about TVS reports being fake. But we know the truth. We know the truth. <laughs> but yeah, TVS reports are real. Uh, um, they seem kind of boring and mindless. I've never had to do one. But I will stress that, you know, while TPS reports might be mind- mindless and boring, testing is not. Testing is not. Software you know, quality is important. Quality assurance is extremely important, and it's how the world holds together. And, you know, in case my boss is listening to this podcast, you know, <laughs> I have never, you know, all my, everything I've written is, 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 I always pay attention to quality, 100%, you know? 100%. 100% quality. Yes. Jake wrote my the code for my uh ninth grade uh coding project and it was it was a great code (laughs) quality assured quality absolute quality (laughs) assured um yes so the next little tidbit of the truth concerns uh the the soundbite i sent you uh, yeah, Jake. okay, so I put this on the soundboard, but I have not listened to it. I do not know what it is. I shall press play on it now. Yes, please do. Hey, what is this? First paycheck? It's the first ripoff, man. It's supposed to get two twenty-five a week, right? This says one forty-three eighty. How am I supposed to live on that? Oh, state tax, federal tax, social security tax. All right, so you're still getting some money when you hit sixty-five. So I'm getting money when I hit sixty-five. Who am I now? What I can enjoy while I'm young? I can get down. Boogie, boogie, boogie. Actually, it's probably more like $143.80 and one-half cent. There are always fractions left over in big corporations, but they round it down to the lowest whole number. What am I supposed to do with half a cent by a third red mouse? You mean everybody loses those fractions? Well, they don't exactly lose them. You can't lose what you never got. Then what happens to all those half cents? The company gets it? No, not really. They can't be bothered to collect a half cent from your paycheck any more than you could. Then what happens to them? Well, they're just floating around out there. The computer's nowhere. How many sugars? One and a half. <laughs> okay, what was that? What was that from? <laughs> do, do you have any guesses? Was it Superman 3? <laughs> no. It was Superman 3. It was Superman 3. <laughs> so that was that was Richard Pryor's character. Yeah, I thought I recognized his voice. Um, that, yeah. yeah. That was Richard Pryor's character from the movie Superman 3 explaining the exact scheme that they used in this film. <laughs> Yeah, which um, they explicitly reference comes from Superman yeah, several 3. Times, several times, several times <laughs> yeah. in Superman 3. Uh, and later on in the movie, uh, Richard Pryor, he do- it succeeds. He writes it into the code. He writes the program. He gets 85 grand. And then he immediately buys a Ferrari <laughs> and drives it to work. And, like, there's this great scene where the, the, the like, higher-ups are like, the thief will out himself at some point. You know, like... Y- the, he's he's bound to mess up at some point 
And they're like, oh, I don't know if he's ever going to be that stupid. And then cut to Richard Pryor driving up in his Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a weird movie. Superman 3. I'm gonna, yeah, you're gonna have to rewatch that. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I've seen that more than once. I don't mean either. <laughs> I've seen that clip a few times now. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, funny. So there you go. There is your uh, your uh, there's the truth behind um, where. So this is this is kind of a two parter about about the truth. That's the truth behind where the the characters got the idea. Um, and we'll come back to the second of that uh, half of that in a moment, but first let's talk about something we uh, we have already talked about. <laughs> the, re- the red swing line, the, 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 the red the red swing line stapler. Red swing line. Yeah, no, I mean we've already mentioned it. I just can want... you find the clip of him saying that and put that in here? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the red swing line. It's my stapler. It's my stapler. But I said I, I don't care if they lay me off either because I told I told Bill that if they move my desk one more time then then I then I'm quitting I'm going to quit and and I told Dom too because they've moved my desk four times already this year and I used to be over by the window and I could see the squirrels and they were married but then they switched from the swing line to the Boston stapler but I kept my swing line stapler because it didn't bind up as much and, and I kept the staples for the swing line stapler okay Milton and, oh no it's not okay because if they make me if they if they take my my stapler then I'll, I'll, I'll have to I'll set the building on fire okay well that sounds uh sounds great uh I'll talk to you later all right bye so as we mentioned they that did not they they painted their stapler red Right, yeah, so they didn't have to have a custom stapler. So they didn't have to have a cum- custom stapler. Which is funny because the, the, the logo, they must have like taken the logo off, spray painted it, and then glued the logo back on. Or like just taped over it, I guess. Yeah, they could have copied the logo, like, you know, using a uh, stencil or something like that. I suppose that's true, but yeah. <laughs> either way. So, the, so swing line up until that point, they did make a red stapler. Um, they did, but it was their mini stapler. Oh, uh, so, okay. So, but they didn't make that stapler in that red. That stapler was not in red. Um, do they make a red swing line now? Yes, they do. They started in two thousand and two. They started producing shortly after this movie was made. After this film came out, in fact, well, a couple years after, couple, but yeah, short, relatively speaking. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they got so many requests from fans of this movie. Uh, For a red swing line that they were just like, yeah, sure, we can make like, it. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll make it. They'll... So another reason why those other stapler companies really f- shat the fucking bed on this one. Exactly. Clearly, swing line has profited off this movie. Yeah. So, like, you know, if Mike Judge calls you and asks you if, you, if you're allowed... If, if he can if, use If he's allowed to brand. use your brand, say yes. Yeah, you say yes. you might get... It basically, you if might... my judge calls you and asks you anything, you say yes. Well, probably not anything, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, anything that Mike Judge is going to ask you, really. Like, what's Mike Judge right. going to ask me that I'm going to say no to, really? Can't I don't think know. of anything, exactly. No. <laughs> Silence. Crickets. <laughs> so, finally, let's close off... Um, the truth section with this is actually a bit of a longer bit but 
go right ahead and and you can click on that link there. Um, so let's talk about okay. Let's talk about salami fraud. Okay, I've never heard of that before. You never heard of the term salami fraud? No. All right, so so it says. Read this one first time. Do you want me to read the thing? So this is this is one gonna, type well, hold of. Hold on, hold on. Before you do, I'm just gonna give yeah. us some some because we're gonna read basically this whole thing because it's it's great. So this is a a a, a paper by uh, its associate professor um, Emmy Kabai from okay. Norwich University. Uh, so go right ahead. One type of computer crime that gets mentioned in introductory courses or in conversations among security experts is the salami fraud. In the salami technique, criminals steal money or resources a bit at a time. Two different etymologies are circulating around the origins of this term. One school of security specialists claim that it refers to slicing the data like a salami. Uh-huh. Others argument argue that it means building up a significant object or amount from tiny scraps like a salami. (laughs) I love that there's debate about that, first of all. Yeah. (laughs) Second of all, clearly we're dealing with the second of the two. Where Um, they slice off a little bit? Or no, no, where they build it up from tiny scraps. Yeah, right? Well, they're both both, the same thing. They're both exactly the same thing. It's just how did the word come about, right? Right, yeah, yeah. So if the classic, this is further quoting him, the classic story about a salami attack is the old, quote unquote, collect the round off trick. In this scam, a programmer modifies the arithmetic routines such as interest. Arithmetic. Sorry. What did I say? Arithmetic. Arithmetic means without rhythm. And oh, arithmetic means like math. <laughs> Ari- uh, never mind. Sorry. No, no, <laughs> arithmetic. Arithmetic routines, yes. such as interest <laughs> computations. Typi- typically, the calculations are carried out to several decimal places beyond the customary two or three kept for financial records. For example, when currency is in dollars, the round-off goes up to the nearest penny about half the time and down the rest of the time. If the programmer arranges to collect these fractions of pennies in a separate account, a sizable fund can grow with no warning to the financial institution. So, this is a real thing. Yeah. Um, so, if, if you go further down, there's actually a few examples which we should go through because these is, this is the truth. These are the real things. In January 1993... Four executives of a rental car franchise in Florida were charged with defrauding at least 47,000 customers using a salami technique. The federal grand jury in Fort Lauderdale claimed that the defendants modified a computer billing program to add five extra gallons to the actual gas tank capacity of their vehicles. From 1988 through 1991, every customer who returned a car without topping it off ended up paying inflated rates for an inflated total of gasoline. The thefts ranged from $2 to $15 per customer. Rather thick slices of salami, but nonetheless difficult for the victims to detect. Right. Huh. <laughs> That's such a weird one so- to me. So they so but this so this is slightly different from the what happens in the film because 
it is actually, you know, it's the, it, I guess it's the whole rental car company basically defrauding yeah. customers, right? Yeah, it's defrauding as opposed customers to, as opposed to employees defrauding the... Yeah, so this would obviously... So I, I didn't actually kind of talk about this but when we talked about the thing, but like, I do find it slightly unbelievable that nobody detected Michael Bolton's, like, change that... uh put all the money into the account but what's because the... i don't know what things were like back then but nowadays we have this process called code review right so other uh, programmers what if other programmers would have like seen the code that he was putting in and somebody would have had to probably just like you know just look over it line but by line wouldn't it have been samir oh if samir was the person doing the code review then yeah i guess nobody would have figured it out <laughs> that's funny yeah <laughs> i because because that also there's another bone i have to pick with that basic idea is like like that nobody found out ever you know yeah like cuz the building burned down but wouldn't well, you're thinking maybe there was an offsite backup yeah wouldn't there have been i don't know maybe inatech's not very competent yeah i mean i guess i guess that's all it comes down to cuz there wouldn't have been and like it was but it's also like they did it literally the previous day so, like, maybe their backups didn't happen every day, right? Right. So, if it's, like, a weekly or... Yeah, exactly. Or whatever. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Fair enough. And, yeah, obviously, this is pre-cloud computing. Yeah. Um, as it's known now. I'm sure you've got some sort of counter to that statement, as you always seem to with my technological no, I, statements. No, I, 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 I mean, not, not in the same way, no. Uh, <laughs> no, like, I mean... It did, not the same way. Um, but yeah, that's a that seems like a weird scheme to me. Like it's like you've already you're running a rental car company. Just do that. Like why do you? Have yeah, to... why not just make everything legally? Yeah, two dollars more expensive. Yeah, like two to fifty dollars <laughs> per customer. Like I don't think the customers would care paying two extra bucks. Like I guess it adds up over time, but like, yeah, like why risk it? Just like make it two dollars more expensive and don't go to jail. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, um, unless they were defrauding, like, unless they were embezzling from the rest of the company. Because it says the executives were charged, not the company, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So that's probably So it could it be that they were embezzling and putting it into their own accounts, you know? Still so stupid. <laughs> yeah. So that's 1993, so obviously that's pre- uh, Before this movie? Before this movie. Do you want to read the next paragraph? In January of 1997, Willis Robertson of Liberty Town, Maryland- was sentenced to 10 years in prison, jeez, uh, six of which were suspended okay. for having reprogrammed his Taco Bell drive-up window cash <laughs> register, causing it to ring up each two ninety nine item as a one-cent item so that he could pocket the two ninety eight each time. <laughs> Wait. Why would that's you do it the other way around, That's not smart. Dummy? Yeah. <laughs> it's on. like, that's not a salami. That's the other, you like that you're taking the whole salami and leaving just Yeah, extreme. you're leaving the crumb. That you, like, do it the other way, and you, that's how you make He money. amassed $3,600 before he was caught. He's 22. How did nobody at the Taco Bell notice that like, everything he did was, like, that's a bad, one three hundredth of, like, like that's the amount a, that's that it a bad actually Taco cost? Taco Bell manager. Like, yeah, every time, every time Willis is on... On his shift, we make no money. Yeah, we only have pennies. <laughs> like, what's the deal? 
We have one penny. We we only get two. This <laughs> is so silly. Uh, another correspondent um, adds that management assumed the error was hardware or software and only got the perpetrator when he bragged about his crime to coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> so when he strolled in using his Ferrari, you know. Oh my God, it's just like Superman <laughs> Three, man. Yeah. So they wouldn't have even caught him. I, I mean, I guess good, like they benefit of the doubt to their co-work, to their, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, but then just... <laughs> uh, you know, Willis just told us he stole a bunch of money from you. Like, you know, <laughs> do you want to maybe fire him? <laughs> that's 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 a great one taco bell 22 years old working yeah. at taco bell changes the cash register all right let's do yeah let's do one more um okay uh in los angeles los angeles 1998 yeah uh the district attorneys charged four men so in, sorry in los angeles in october 1998 the district attorneys charged four men with fraud for allegedly installing computer chips in gasoline pumps that cheated customers by overstating the amounts pumped. <laughs> the problem came to light when an increasing number of customers charged uh, uh, an increasing number of consumers charged um, when an increasing number of cu- consumers charged that they had been sold more gasoline than the capacity of their gas tanks. However, the fraud was difficult to prove initially because the perpetrators programmed the chips to deliver exactly the right amount of gasoline when asked for 5 and 10 gallon amounts, precisely the amounts typically used by inspectors. So these are that's much clever. That's smarter. That's more sophisticated. Yeah, like that's a much smarter salami technique than the Taco Bell one. Yeah. So how many how many gallons did they do extra? Uh yeah, it doesn't say specifically how much. No, it doesn't say specifically. Okay. Right. Just overstating the amounts pumped. So, yeah, c- that they had been sold more gas than the capacity of their tanks. So, so th- they didn't actually pump more gas. They they basically they just charged them for more gas than they, they had bought. Pumped. Right. Yes. And sometimes, if they filled the entire tank, that would be more than their tank God, would fit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're like. So yeah, none of these are like exactly like office space but as you well i'll tell you why oh good i was hoping you might (laughs) this is my this is my thinking here okay if you've noticed all of these are like you know they're like dollar amounts you know what i mean yeah like they're more than a dollar exactly we're not talking half so cents here. we're not talking half a penny here it's not even a whole penny you know no, it's, it's, not, only like, it's not you know stealing. as he was saying you like it's like if you take a penny or leave a penny that's a whole penny and that's okay but if it's a it's a half see see the problem with all these people is they got they got too ambitious you know yeah exactly that's the issue. so these were all the people that were caught ah that that's 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 why you know that's why we don't see any of the ones with the with the half a penny because these people don't get caught those that's true those people are living off their half pennies exactly so the only reason why you know you know they they got caught in offices or were gonna get caught because they didn't actually because the building burned down was yeah. because Michael Bolton's Michael Bolton you know had a issue with his math and he ended up taking like ten times the amount right yeah he always does something silly like so that this like, is this is how you get caught that's how if you're you gonna steal money you gotta steal a half a penny 
Yeah, that's why you don't fucking steal two ninety eight out of two ninety nine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you steal the one. <laughs> but yeah, so there you have it. That's uh that's our truth section for this week. Uh, yeah, I think that was a pretty, pretty, pretty good section. You yeah, know. no got, aliens. Got a lot week. of truth in there, you yeah, know. No they, aliens. It's true. Actually, all of this was true. It's true. This is one of the truer truth sections. This is the most true segment I think we've had in a while. Yeah, it is actually. It might be. It might yeah. be the most. Maybe. Anyway, that's not a metric we need to. We need to keep an eye on. <laughs> we don't. Do we not have a truthiness scale? Oh, we have a scale. It's just it's more on, of like a day-to-day thing. It's not something we're keeping. Right. We're so, keeping so if you were to rate this one to ten on the truthiness scale, how truthy would it be? It would be a ten for sure. Ten. Well, ten. On, although that so fully on, correct. Yeah. Fully true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, truthiness scale carries some weight because. Yeah. Aliens are as true as it come as well. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's kind of a weighted. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so there you go. There you have it. There's the raw, uncut truth. Yeah. <laughs> Undiluted, 100%. Undiluted, uh, unadulterated. Unadulterated. Pure, 100% truth. Pure. Yep. Or, or sorry, sorry, sorry. 99.9% truth. The one percent, the 0.1% truth that's been taken and put into another account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well done thanks Uh, so so there we have the truth uh you want to just uh wrap up with some final thoughts here yeah let's let's we'll close out the episode with our uh close out the episode and our office space coverage with our uh our final thoughts do you want to go first or should i you can go first i'll i'll right come in there afterwards Basically, I mean, this is mostly for me going to be a summation thing because I, I I've definitely gushed a lot during the yeah these I think two you did episodes, so <laughs> talked it's, a lot about how much you love Mike Judge exactly it's not going to be not a lot of new stuff to say really I think I've said it all yeah I think Mike Judge is extremely talented and I think uh, this movie is an extremely autobiographical uh like implementation of that talent um yeah it's just perfect on every level really well not perfect i like i don't want to like overstate it because it's not like one of my favorite movies of all time in the sense it's not like a desert island movie necessarily like i don't think i'd list my top five favorite movies it's just so well done and it's like Really solid. It's really solid, exactly. It's not, as I said, it's not a Desert Island movie. I like all of Mike Judge's work. King of the Hill is it? How right. is a Desert Island? I don't think you content. get to. I don't think I count. So that's too many hours of content to. Uh, I know. To take with you. I, you'd have to pick a season. You'd have to pick a season or, or yeah, even exactly. an episode. But um, yeah. Anyway, that's a <laughs> my King of the Hill Desert Island epi- season is a whole other conversation. Uh, that would right. Take me let's not let's so not get into that. So many hours, um, but yeah. So basically, Mike Judge is talented. This movie is really good at showing that talent. It's a surprisingly good first film. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I would I would agree. That's that's basically the summation of my rambling. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I'd pretty much agree with you. Uh, but yeah, I really like how this uh, how this movie like captures like the feel that it does you know yeah 
And like, you know, at, at, at times, like, I've definitely, you know, I've felt like Peter, you know? Yeah, I think we in all this have. Movie. We've all felt like Peter, you know? Just to make it clear Peter. if my boss is listening once again that... Different job. You know, not talking... Different job. Not talking about that one. Yeah, different job. Yeah. And he's not... Like, yeah. if, if his, if now if Jake's supervisors from BMO are listening... Yeah. <laughs> take note. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, I really like... Um, and I kind of like how it uh, how it comes full circle, like, because um, it's like it's kind of like it's kind of a movie, like the way I see it at least. It's kind of like it's about like like you know growing up in a certain way. Yeah. Well, the moral of the of the film is get a different job. Yeah, kind of. But it's like um, it's kind of like you know at the beginning of the movie, like it's like Peter uh, Peter thinks like you know um, you know I'm just doing everybody else tells me something. I'm not really you know doing my own thing i'm not being my authentic self as it were like i don't care about this shit i don't don't care about anything right yeah and then he realizes later on in the movie well maybe there are some things that i should care about well it's also just i think it it is kind of a coming of age film yeah it's like because yeah exactly he kind of just he matures as a character throughout the movie yeah and he just kind of like and i think i think a lot of part of it that might get lost on like kind of lost on our uh, us a bit i'm sure but like later generations as well is like the fact that like not generations i said that like just younger folks is that yeah i think there was a lot more uh a negative association with manual jobs <laughs> right you know like i think the fact that like like Lawrence worked that job, but yet was making more money. Was oh yeah, yet he was happy. Yeah, that was supposed to be like super weird, you know, and it was supposed to be like super like demeaning that he yeah. made more money than him. But like, I mean, obviously today, this day and age, obviously we know it's like the fucking you know the trades and the manual labor. Like that's you know that's a totally yeah. Great... I know I know a lot of people that are like that, right? Yeah, and like really, what yeah. it came down to is like Peter just like needed to be outside more. He just needed to work with his hands to be. He just needed to figure out what job he needed it to be. He to just be needs happy. to figure out what made him happy, exactly. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But sorry, I totally i I hijacked your point there. No, no, no. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. no. You you were completely. But yeah, no. It's sort of like you know, exactly like what I was saying. But um, yeah, you know, really, really solid film. But yeah, there there you have it, folks. That's uh, that's our office space coverage. Uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed. I know, I know, we did. Uh, we always uh, do. We always do. Um, so, uh, I guess we'll we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week for a brand new film. Um, brand new film. Should we plug our social media? Yeah, 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 definitely. Follow us on all applicable. Well. Yeah, <laughs> what was oh, I gonna say? Like a, on Instagram, you know, Crane Kick yeah. Commentaries. Uh, I think it's at Crane Kick Instagram, Commentaries. Instagram, yeah, Commentaries, uh, at, which is where we will post uh, the some images. Yes, that images were... that we referenced in this. Um, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll also post them on Twitter, uh, where you can find us at Kick underscore Crane. Uh, what yeah. are we on Instagram? Crane Kick or Crane Commentaries? At, we, should, we should probably homogenize it, but yeah, we're at we're at Crane Kick Commentaries on Instagram. Yeah, um, we're also crank hit commentaries at Twitter, but the the at is the at is different. Yeah, it's yeah. 
Yeah, it's too Google, many letters. You could Google Crank Kick commentaries. Yeah. Yeah. We're really botching this, aren't we? No. This is great. This is good stuff. Um, and very finally, if you listen to us on whatever platform you do, be sure to subscribe or whatever because that, yep. that helps us you know, out. Get up to date with all our all our episodes, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you get updates, so that's awesome. But yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening.